All right, we're back with another episode of the Circle YXE podcast. I am joined by two guests this week. Uh, we're joined by Pastor Paul again. Mm-hmm. Hi, Paul. Hey, Austin. Great to be back. And we are being just graced with the presence of John Ravishander graced this week. With the presence. I love that. It's good to be here. We need to hear more of John during this whole conversation. He has such a rich, golden voice. I can't get enough of it. So, John, you'll have to speak a lot more today. <laughs> just lean right into the microphone and go for it. I don't know if people can hear you laughing, but I love it. <laughs> Well, on that note, um, last week, <laughs> last, what a good way to start. Yeah, Here exactly. We go. <laughs> um, last week we started our our series review or our series look back, or as we creatively coined our circling back to the past series. Um, and so this week we're going to continue that conversation. Last week we kind of more or less unpacked the larger themes, you know, the idea of suffering and evil in our world and just unpacking that more because it's so much um, that can be unpacked from that. And this week we actually wanted to tackle some more of that idea of there's so much that goes into a series, but there's even more that doesn't actually get Mm -hmm. into the final message or into the final series. And so we're going to ask the kind of the question as the three of us all contributed on some level to this series. You know, I had one message, John had two, and then Paul, you had um, three. What's the math? Yes, exactly. I'm not too, I'm not too bad at math. (laughs) You're doing great. Yeah. Yeah. We're all in a really funny mood today, I think. So yeah, the hands were out, the counting was done. Yeah. I I had to take one shoe off. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, so we're going to kind of tackle that question of Mm -hmm. what did you wish that you could have expanded on? And so we'll just turn it over to you, Paul. Like what are the things that you were driving home after filming? You're like, man, this should be in here. Or I wish I had more time to expand on that. Yeah, and I think last podcast, we kind of touched a little bit on this, this idea of um, how do we understand suffering in our world? How do we understand how do we understand a good God in the midst of the suffering that we see? So there's just so much to say about different things. And I mean, our uh, my goal was to really look and let the text speak for itself because the brilliance of the Bible is that people have asked these questions over thousands of years. So none of these things are new. Um, and have, when they encountered Jesus, they had expectations of God. You know, we started the whole series with the story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha were really disappointed in how Jesus didn't show up to save Lazarus the way they wanted him to save him. And so there was, you know, like they actually call him out. They're like, you know, if you're here, kind of like, uh, to use a millennial term that John likes to use, they threw shade on Jesus. Am I using that correctly, John? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Use right there. <laughs> okay, they, they threw shade at Jesus. They're like, where were you? Like, if you just showed up in the way you're supposed to be, this wouldn't happen. And what we see is this really incredible reaction by Jesus who's moved to tears. Like he's, we see this humanity of Christ who's moved to tears uh, for his friend. He's, uh, he weeps. And I mean, that's a brilliant part of the Bible. I mean, what makes the Bible so unique is that it's constantly introducing us to tensions, right? So you have uh, you have Jesus who's fully God, fully human, not 50% each, 100% each. So you have a tension there. You have, uh, you have a Jesus that even Mary and Martha recognize that he could have done things differently, but doesn't and weeps. 
And yet later in the story brings Lazarus out of death, which is incredible resurrection, right? Which is these hints of the hope to come. So, I, I, I mean, I think with this series, you can't do justice in each uh, 20 to 30 minute message. You try to hit, uh, touch on the points to hopefully percolate some of the thinking of how Jesus interacted with people with real questions. And so for me, one of the things that, um, I, you know, you drive home and you, and you kind of come away of even from the first message thinking, maybe I should have touched more on the fact that the resurrection, the hope that Jesus introduces there is the hope that we have for all humanity. It is what we live for. It is it is that the desire in us that says death can't have the final say, can it? This can't be just it. And I, and I know some people come to terms with that and they'll, they'll argue and say, yeah, I'm okay with that. I think it, it is the final say. But there's something in the humanity that wants eternity. There's something in us that seeks to and, and wants to understand what is beyond the veil of death. And so for me, this was uh, this was Jesus introducing that first hope in the midst of suffering. He first doesn't ignore the suffering. He doesn't make it... Um, he doesn't belittle it. He doesn't make it seem less. He doesn't go, oh, Mary and Martha, I'll make things all better. Just watch what I'll do. Like, he doesn't do any of that. I think the author is really, um, when John is writing this, he's really particular to show that Jesus is moved by suffering, that it, it isn't belittled, it isn't ignored. Um, and his weeping is very real. And through that, he's introducing that he's going to do something that's going to redeem all creation and all humanity. That we weep, it's okay to weep in this time, but to also hope. And so I guess that, that was one of the things that I, in that first message in particular, I really wanted to expand more to land on that hope part. And of course, if you miss any of these, I'll just throw the soundbite in here that we do have um, our YouTube channel, Circle YXE, and you can rewatch these. And even on our app or on our website, we actually have discussion guides that go along with these with the series. So you can actually look at the questions and the comments we made uh, to go with each message. And I, can, I, I think it would help you um, um, if you haven't listened to it or if you want to listen to it again, I would encourage you if you haven't looked at the discussion guys to really uh, tackle those on because I think it helps you expand and broaden the message because we know we're limited by the time and the things that we can teach each Sunday. So we really do have these extra tools that we that we give. So uh, I, I think I've said enough. I, I'd love to hear John's rich voice in this, but I guess Austin, you're going to say something. Yeah, no, I, I just I was just going to throw it to John and, and just ask him a similar question, you know, kind of maybe even as we kind of go back and forth, like what's something that as you look back at the two messages that you presented or even the whole series, what's something that you would have wanted to expand more on? Yeah, that's a really good question, Austin. And, um, you know, I just want to say before before we get going here um, or before I get going here that, uh, you know, this Paul, this series, Paul, has been uh, really challenging. Mm -hmm. Um I think for people that are that are viewing online and listening online, uh, but also for me as I as I spoke in a couple of messages there, mm. this was a very heavy series, mm -hmm. a, a very heavy series. You know, the question we we've been asking is, what do we do when we don't know what to do? When there's mm -hmm. nothing we can do? When it just is what it is, and that's just the way it's going to be? Right. And like I talked about two weeks ago, um, I didn't like the answer 
to that question that James had for us, you yeah, know, yeah, like right. you know, when things are just going wrong, when we're facing trials and uh, unfortunate circumstances, I mean, James is like, he's being super insensitive and he's saying like, look, you should find it. You should consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and we seem to be careful that we're not talking about the feeling of joy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but joy is joy is an attitude. And so he's saying, you know, have to change your attitudes, but it's still nevertheless a really uncomfortable. It's this big, uncomfortable idea um, that was very challenging to hear, but also to speak on and, and investigate. So, you know, I just want to thank you, Paul, for navigating us in this series and just such a relevant and timely series. Mm. You know, people often say that oh, church isn't relevant. It's boring. It's not applicable to my life. Uh, this series has been nothing but relevant and applicable. Mm for, I think, us as Christians, but for anyone that is just living life right now. Yeah. So so thank you for that. Hmm. Um, one of the biggest things that I wanted to talk about that I didn't get a chance to, or, or at least go more in, in depth with, is the topic of mentoring. And, and I mentioned it in one of my messages, but I really wish I could have, you know, maybe just had my uh, an own uh, message on the topic of mentoring because... In a time like this, in a time such as this, uh, we can't do it on our own. We we really can't. I think all of us here would agree. I think everyone listening would also agree. Um, you know, when, when we look at Jesus, I think we should always look at our example uh, from Jesus. You know, Jesus approached these twelve uh, seemingly unsuspecting Galileans, and you know, he and he yeah. he just told me he said come and follow me. He said, mm-hmm. follow me. Drop what you're doing. Follow me. And for the next three years, you know, they walked alongside Jesus as Jesus discipled them. Mm-hmm. And toward, towards the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus then commissioned his disciples to go and then to do the same, to yeah, take the right. gospel message to the world and, and make disciples in, in all the nations. You know, Jesus was a huge fan of doing things together, mm-hmm. community, mentorship, discipleship, whatever you want to call it, doing life together. Yeah, just so so valuable, um, and whatever you 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 want to call it. Some people don't like calling it discipleship because they're just not sure what discipleship means. Uh, some people don't like calling it mentorship because they feel like it's almost like counseling. Right, um, right. But really, it's about it's about it's about growing it in your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to get more into in my my message was that. Us as Christians, especially now that we're in a digital sphere, we can be so comfortable with just sitting back, relaxing, and enjoying the show. Hmm. Like we're, we're just so comfortable with, yeah. and this includes myself, I'm putting myself in that same category. It is so nice to be able to sit back on the couch and listen to a good message, mm-hmm. hear some good music, and just go about my day, go about, about my week just as usual. Um, you know, most Christians, and this is according to Barna Research Group, they're a phenomenal group that does amazing research when it comes to Christianity and the church in, in the U.S. and across the world. Um, they say that most Christians express satisfaction with their spiritual lives. So, you know, 38% of Christian adults say they are happy with where they are at in their spiritual life. And another 36% say they're almost to where they want to be. However, uh, they also note this, they, they note that... You know, the research reveals very little correlation between activity hmm. and perceived growth. Now, that's huge. Yeah. Right. Yeah, because it, it reveals this disconnect between how people think about their spirituality and what's actually happening in their lives. Oh, man. That's it, such an important point, point to make, John. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, because uh, as as we'll hear Brent talk about in, in this series, he talks about how people are lonelier. Mm-hmm. They're more distracted and they're 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 more uh, they're more tethered to their screens now, mm-hmm. and and they're searching for meaningful lives. However, when it comes to us as Christians, people in the church, and this is data based in the U.S., but we can relate to that uh, in, on a similar level. Only 17% say that they meet with a spiritual mentor as part of their discipleship efforts. Hmm. Only 17% wow. of people in the church have a spiritual mentor. Wow. And I think this is especially important for uh, millennials who have grown up in a culture and among their peers who are, you know, they're often neutral to the gospel or they're, um, you know, a little bit resistant to the gospel. And, you know, life just feels more accelerated for this generation, you know, and it it makes it harder for many of them to find meaning in institutions, right? The church, you know, perceived as an institution and they feel like the church can be out of step with the Mm -hmm. times. So, you know, millennials often describe the church as being, uh, you know, for instance, not relevant, like I said, or they say that attending worship services feels like it's like this boring, boring duty. Hmm. Um, But the most positive church experience that millennials experience are relational. And this is some interesting data that Barna has as well. Seven out of 10 millennials who dropped out of the church did not have a close close friendship Hmm. with an adult. Oh, man. And nearly nine out of 10 never had a mentor at the church. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so this really needs to be a wake up call for all of us, right? Sitting at this table right here, right now. Yeah. But for any of us who call ourselves, uh, who consider ourselves to be a part of the church, who considers us ourselves to be followers of Jesus, this is a huge, huge wake up call for us. Yeah, if if you don't mind me jumping in there, John, just no, even absolutely. thinking, just even thinking of us three here around the table, um, safely spaced apart, we, uh, you know, I would, uh, well, I I know this, so I'll just say it. All three of us have had people that invested in our lives and and journeyed mm-hmm. and mentored us and walked with us, which which uh, contributes to longevity in faith and in and staying in the church, doesn't it? It, it gives you. Um, gives you understanding of layers of faith it's not just accepting things at face value or or having the you know the 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 happy-go-lucky church idea that there's there's a wrestling with the uh, the tensions of faith there's understanding and there's years of wisdom of understanding how to go through different seasons in faith and so the mentorship is so crucial and i mean it's just i mean this is just a tiny sample size of us three but i would say that that data seems to be correct just by that reflection of the people that are involved even in this table or around this table. Yeah, that's a good point, John. I uh, definitely love to consider as how do we go into mentoring? How do we engage with people today? Hmm. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and like we've talked about, we talk about mentorship a lot here at Circle. And, and maybe when we started mentoring, uh, mentioning mentorship in this podcast, people may have just tuned out because we just, we talk about it so often, right? but we talk about it because it, it's so valuable. It, it's where we have seen time and time again, that life transformation can take place and not from our own doing, right? Yes. But because yeah. God is working through yeah. through our mentors and through mentees to do something remarkable. And the thing is, mil- millennials need help learning how to apply their hearts and minds in today's cultural realities. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in many ways, pop culture has become the driver for millennials. 
Hmm. So helping them think and respond rightly to culture should be really a priority for all of us. And that's something that a, a mentorship relationship really, really can do. And maybe I'll give it a little bit of... Um of a loop here about what mentorship here at Circle is like, because I mean, I think you're, I think you're right. Either people, we talk about it quite a bit, so people kind of just tune out, or they they have an, an idea about they have an idea about mentorship that they don't understand and are not sure if it's really for them. So, like as you said, discipleship, mentoring, whatever term we want to use, we 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 landed on mentoring because it's it's kind of that um, doing life together. It's kind of uh, being a little bit ahead of somebody and kind of helping them navigate life and faith and so we we have different tools that we equip people with for mentoring and we definitely believe it's for everybody um jesus and disciples of course is the is a huge example of that but we see that even paul right with timothy and others he's he's giving life to churches and to young leaders he's teaching them he's advising them he's sending them out he's giving them the keys uh to ministry so there's there's a there's there's a example already right there within the scripture itself uh so for mentoring yeah i think you're right like the and i and i say this in one of our sundays is that christians were originally known as people of the way Mm -hmm. that was it's an action name Mm -hmm. like they were people of the way they weren't people that just sat back and enjoyed you know oh cool there's that guy again who's going to be on that mount teaching a whole bunch of cool parables and then I'm going to go home and do my thing. No, Jesus was uh, was calling people into a way of movement and a way of life. I mean, the book of Acts is called Acts because it's Acts of the church. Right. It's action of the church. And so one of those actions is, is that we are called to, to um, A, share our faith with others by how we live and, and explain it and to teach the layers of it. And if we do, and so we need to be doing that in our life to begin with. But secondly, we should be uh, involved in somebody's life, helping them come along in their faith. So all of us are called into this kind of action if we call ourselves Christian. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I think it's, for some, it should be a wake up call, I guess, for all of us, it's a wake up call of mm-hmm. how are we investing in one another and uh, in people around us that God mm-hmm. has placed into our lives. Absolutely. Yeah. And some people might say, well, look, I, I feel like I'm in a good place in my spiritual journey. I, I don't need a mentor. Well, if you don't need a mentor, you could be a mentor. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And and the role of a mentor, maybe you don't need to, you don't need to go to Bible college. You don't need to go to seminary to be a mentor uh, because here at Circle, our, our version of mentorship is is to care not to cure mm-hmm. and That's and right. when we look at some of the studies that exist that say that only one in three young people say that someone believes in me that that they feel cared for by others only a third of young adults feel cared by others wow like that that's that's crazy yeah that, that's that's what if those two-thirds had a mentor in their life yeah. that said I, I care for you mm-hmm I, I I often wonder what what could happen, not just in our church, but in our in our schools, in our politics, in I think everything. This has far-reaching implications, yeah. and I think it's really time that we take mentorship seriously. Mm-hmm. And and I'm speaking to myself here too. Right. At, at this time, I'm evaluating who could I mentor. Mm-hmm. Am I making myself available to people that are perhaps seeking mentorship out from me? So this is a wake up call for for all of us, but for myself as well. Um, and I think we'd be remiss to to pass on this opportunity, this unique moment in time where more people are are seeking and searching out uh, valuable um, 
uh, legitimate relationships uh, and mentorship can offer that. Yeah, that's really good, John. I, uh, I 100% agree with that, obviously. And I mean, the Great Commission, right? Therefore, go, go. There's a there's an action step and make disciples uh, of all people. Um, so there's a there's definitely a connection that we are called to or invited into. I, and I mean, to, for me, it even starts right at the garden, right? Like the idea that that God creates people who are His image bearers, and then says to them, now. Not only do you bear my image, you're actually uh, my co-partners. You're you're my partners in this. You're 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 to cultivate the world. You're to work in this world. You're to be uh, agents of of hope in this world. So, t- to me, there's there's an action step in all of this, and I th- and I think it's so important for us to be involved. And and yeah, you're right, John. Like, there are seasons where you, we need to be mentored. And I, I think everybody should be mentored, but there's seasons where we need to be mentoring others who are just learning the things that we have learned. So uh, this is really good. And I, and definitely this series really lends itself to that is the idea of, because that's what mentoring does. Like, what do you do when you get to a place and you're like, okay, well now I'm stuck. Like, how is it, how can it possibly be different? You know, one of the talk, one of the messages that I gave was when Jesus, uh, the famous one where they come uh, across a blind guy, and uh, and the disciples like no sensitivity like the guys right there and they're like hey who sinned this guy or his parents like I, I, you can even just imagine sitting there going like um, you know I'm blind but I can hear you like <laughs> that that's kind of rude um, but anyways but they they and they're not dummies like their their worldview was out of Deuteronomy their the worldview is the law their worldview is the blessings and cursings of of um, that that Moses so clearly spells out in, in the in the book of Deuteronomy, and so they're they're well just ha- he's cursed because he can't see, so something somebody did this, and Jesus just totally knocks that apart. Right? He says no, neither of them did, and to me again, it, it he's teaching them, he's mentoring them, he's showing them. Yes, you have, you you saw the law, you saw how, what God is teaching His people. But it was also, but it was always more than that. There was something bigger going on, and so Jesus, he's not abolishing any of the laws, right? Like this is really important for us too, because sometimes we kind of look at the Old Testament, and the New Testament, and we're like, okay, well, God just abolished that old stuff. No, 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 not at all. He's actually fulfilling it. He's he's taking the trajectory of the story to its final conclusion of restoration, and he's teaching and mentoring then his disciples to say, no, this has happened so God could be on display. And so it was just a reminder for me in that moment, A, that there's a mentoring relationship that happened there that they that they could be taught, and B, that God is on display in the awful parts of this of life. And how is he on display? That he emptied himself. He came into this world to suffer. Mm-hmm. And not just the cross. Like I, I don't think if we can even like grasp the this is one of the things on the drives home, Austin, as you <laughs> called it earlier, to think like, oh man, how can I expand on this more? Like God <laughs> I don't I don't it feels like I don't even have vocabulary for it, but the vastness and the magnitude of God to limit himself into a human is suffering. Mm-hmm. Like that's suffering, right? To then weep for Lazarus for his brothers, um, 
to then face the trials that he faced, but then to even like, or to even be with it, give mentor these guys and give his life to, uh, to them, to, to help them. And then to know that they're going to run away in the, in the moment where he kind of, he needed them the most that they were going to know, you know, Peter, of course, um, denies him and, 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 uh, Judas betrays him and others run away. Um, this is a suffering he enters. So he has a credibility to understand us. He has a credibility to walk alongside of us. And so he, he, and he invested in a whole bunch of people. And then when he commissions the church, when he commissions his people to say, go therefore, like what's the therefore? <laughs> it's there for us to take uh, um, an example from that. Therefore go and mentor other people, disciple them, teach them about these truths because life will bring us to a place of just saying, what do we do when there's nothing else we can do? Hmm. So when life brings us there, what is it that Jesus taught us to do in those moments? Because there's time to weep and there's time to laugh and there's time to rejoice and there's time to say, what is my hope beyond this? So I, I think, yeah, thanks, uh, thanks, John, for for mentioning that and the, the, the really the big, deep desire and the big, deep need we have to mentor and to walk alongside of other people. And we want to get stronger in that as a, as a local church, as a, mm -hmm. as a staff. This is something we really want to continue to invest in. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I love that as over like the last number of weeks, we really asked the question of like, what do you do when there's nothing you can do? And I think right away is maybe our brain thinks all oh, like there is nothing I can do. But in the reality that there is something that we can do in the midst of it, right? Like it might not immediately change right. your circumstances or change them at all. But um, I think it was in your first message in the series, John, you mentioned that, you know, if you want to, if you want to go fast, go alone, but if you want to go far, go together. Or was it Paul? I can't remember. Paul looks. Oh, did we both say it, John? That's wonderful. Okay. That. Okay. So I'm sorry. I'll give you both credit. <laughs> Paul and John obviously read the same books. <laughs> um, there you go. Um, but yeah, like this idea that, you know, even in the midst, there's still something that you can do. And, and to journey through those things with someone else is significantly better and even healthier than just, you know, tackling them alone. Like mm. I mentioned in my message that our natural tendency is to isolate. We isolate ourselves from others. We don't want them to see our pain or they want to understand or, you know, how could they possibly help? Right. When in reality is um, like even in Jesus's you know, anguish before the cross, he goes to the garden, but he invites his friends to just be with him. Hmm. And I think mentoring can play a role where you, you're just inviting someone to be with you, to That's hear good. you, to, good. you know, not solve it or, 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 or cure it, like you said, John, but, but someone just to be with you and to journey with you. And so if you've been kind of going through this series and you really find yourself in that position where you're like, yeah, I feel stuck. There's nothing I can do. Things are just really tough. But not just that, like if you're just in a place in your in your spiritual journey or in your faith or you're really exploring things, I just want to really highly recommend doing it with someone else because mm -hmm. it, it makes mm -hmm. it significantly better. Yeah. And so if you've been kind of tracking through this series or been tracking with us for a little bit here, we would love to connect with the mentor. Um, you know, we have some awesome people here at Circle who 
love to mentor. And if you're someone who wants to walk through with someone else, we would love to help you do that. But if you're interested in getting mentoring, you can just in, uh, email us at connections at cdac.ca and we'll do everything we can to get you paired with a mentor. Because like I said, life is so much better when we do it with someone else and when we journey with someone else. There's a depth of perspective and um, relationship that help us really navigate the complexities of life. Yeah, like, I, and if I can just jump in there for a second, Austin, it's just how we're designed, right? If we're the image bearers of God, if God made us to reflect Him, then there's something important about community, which is God is actually a community of three. There are three persons, you know, and, uh, you know, we all have heard this thing. If you grew up in church or didn't grow up in church, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Like that's, we, we say those three things. But they're more than that. They're three persons. They make one God, which is, uh, and I get how confusing that is. Um, but there's this, uh, you know, to use uh, ancient language of understanding the Trinity is there's this, there's this dance that that is happening between the three. There's this continual dance, this relationship that's happening, and uh, and because of that, we are we are created to be in relationships because of that. Like there's something that yearns in us to be part of that. Now that's just relationship with God, A, that's that's one of the things, but also with other people. And, um, and so we will feel lonely if we're not in those kind of relationships. Um, yeah, no, that, that, that's really powerful. And uh, I just want to make sure that we we say that, look, we're, we're not doing a bad job, right? We're, <laughs> I, I hope I didn't come across as saying, like, we're not doing this right. Thank you for uh, saying that, John, because I oversee that, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it's, it's so easy to often look at, at the negative side of things. Mm -hmm. uh, but that was that's not my intention. My intention is to is to say, and I think all of our intentions are to say, this is a unique, this is a challenge for us, yeah. you know, and and we can be tempted to just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. But mm. I think there's there's an opportunity for each of us in this room, socially distanced, yeah. but for each of you listening online, wherever you are, to take note of this challenge and, and to actually rise up to the occasion um, to meet this challenge and to be a mentor or to be mentored. Um, I, I think this is a time for us, for us to just stop being consumers and to mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. uh, take charge in our relationships and our communities mm -hmm. and be an instrument of change. Uh, that we know the value of mentorship. We all know it. That's something we all know, I believe, right? But now is the time, I think, to actually do it. And so I just want to echo Austin and Paul when, when we're saying, please get connected and, and you know, connections at cdac.ca and we'll get you a mentor or we will uh, find ways of making you a mentor as well. Uh, so don't let this slip by, you know, don't wait a week, don't wait a month. Um, if, you, if you're listening to us right now, send an email if you're not being mm -hmm. mentored. Mm -hmm. And this is a time and this is a challenge that we're faced with. Uh, so let's rise up to it and let's meet it. Yeah, thanks, John. That's that's really good advice. And and I hopefully you hear us correctly here. We're not browbeating here. We're just we see this such a huge importance of this. So it's not something we want from you. It's something we want for you. We we know how hard it is to be in these situations. Um, those of you that heard Derek's interview in the last message was um, he 
he, the thankfulness you hear in him was from the people that came around to help, to support, to listen, to journey with him in the suffering. And that's what we want for our, for everybody. We want, a, we want you. So this is why we focus on circle groups here at circle. We, these are our small groups. We want people to be in a group of people that will be walking with you, knowing you, journeying with you in life, caring for you. So we want that for you. So A, we want you in a circle group, we want you in a small group, and we want you to be mentored. These things we want, not because we think somebody's not good enough or we think, or whatever. We want really that because we know it's gonna be better for pers- for people to have that in their life. Yeah. So, th- so we want that for you is really what I want us to come across here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think like if there's some big takeaways from this past series is that, um, in the midst of whatever it is that we find ourselves navigating, you know, like those tough circumstances is that um, you aren't alone and you right. don't have to be. Oh, that's good, Austin. Um, yeah. It was something that you said, Paul, at the beginning of this, this series is, is you know, um, we don't have to be alone relationally, but we also, um, God hasn't abandoned us. That he's not mm-hmm. apathetic in that and that he He also enters in into our and into our pain and so that's just something that we need to be reminded of as well so that mm-hmm. there's this we, we don't have to be alone um and, and there's opportunity for us to be connected um kind of as we wrap up this conversation um i guess one question i had for you paul is um when you look back at this six week series we we weren't originally going to end it with an interview with derek mm-hmm. which like you said, like it was an amazing um, opportunity to hear Derek's honest story of navigating some really tough circumstances. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that interview, I highly recommend heading to YouTube and listening to that because yeah. I found myself, um, you know, I heard it the Tuesday prior to the Sunday and I found myself both times um, welling up with tears just because it was such a powerful story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was important for us to end with um, that testimony because it took kind of what we'd been saying for the past five weeks and and now there's a person connected to those. These aren't like high level things. These aren't abstract thoughts, but they're things that like this is a like there's real people connected to the, yeah. these things. Um, and so actually the question I had is, kind of all that to say is originally we had six messages mm-hmm. with no interview, but then we sh- really shortened the series to five messages. We made it better with, with an interview. interview. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, but a question would be is if you were to have one other message yeah. in that series, what would you have wanted to tackle? Yeah, thanks Austin. What, how I originally wanted to conclude the series was to create a space to teach on the tension that the, the Bible, the whole story of God seems to bring to us. Um, what, what makes the Bible so sophisticated and brilliant, like so, so many times people have a flat reading of the Bible or they have heard things about the Bible or they critique the Bible based on something taken out of context and they'll say, well, it says this in there. And so I, bef- because of that, I write it off. Mm-hmm. This is why actually mentoring is so important because you can help people see the layers and the significance and the culture and the backgrounds of all these kind of things. But what makes the Bible so brilliant is that it's self-critiquing. 
there are not many holy books that are so self-critical. Like, so you have this position, God is good. And then you have this giant, giant collection of poems, which we call Psalms, lamenting and basically mm, saying, God, yeah. where are you? What are you doing? So the same book, they just said, God is good and he's there for you, has people who are lamenting about where yeah. is the presence of God. It's self-critiquing constantly. It's, it's so self-aware of saying, creation and the world we find ourselves in is both beautiful and marvelous and at the same time full of suffering and 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 pain and there's this tension there and so it, it gives us this this clear understanding that the goodness of god's creation which we see on those beautiful you know you if you have instagram and you see the sunsets or whatever or it's kind of lake season now here in saskatchewan so everyone has all these lake pictures that are beautiful um so it's those but it's also the pictures of the storm that comes and destroys your your camping site and so it shows this position that god created something beautiful and kind of put in a place and ask people, here's something for you, work with me mm -hmm. to keep this place beautiful. And there's this choice that is made to say, no, I'm gonna decipher what is good. I don't think what God is creating is good enough. That's kind of the, really I'm breaking it down to what Adam and Eve do and, mm. and they're saying, no, I'm gonna decide what is good and what is evil. And bringing these shackles of this, of this, uh, basically chaining the world from its beauty and introducing death into the world hmm. based on their choices. So, kind of where I wanted to end off in this series is to say, is to say, yes, we do come to places of suffering where it feels like there's nothing else we can do. But there's a hope that God has unleashed and released. And we see it through the whole tensions of the whole narrative of scripture, the whole narrative, the whole story of God that's leading us to a resurrection, hmm. that's leading us to a hope and a place to say, one day, all wrongs will be made right. Hmm. Not because God willed those wrongs, not because God wills evil or creates evil. He does not. That is not the Christian story. Hmm. There is an enemy, there is brokenness, there is um, evil that we contribute to even as people. And there is chaotic evil that like, how do you, like Derek's story, how do you make sense of things that just happen like that? There's an evil that exists, but God weeps and enters into the pit of that evil and suffers with us. Hmm. And it brings about resurrection. And that is our hope. And I really, really wanted to, I mean, a lot of times as I was driving home, I, I wanted to make sure in my head, I was wrestling, did I, did I show that enough? Hmm. That our hope as Christian hope isn't just that we say, oh man, there's suffering and we just acknowledge it. Hey, hmm. we do acknowledge it, we see it, we see people in it and we join people in it, but that there's a hope and the resurrection that is coming. That one day, the glimpses of, of this world that we see that is, that is um, you know, through the veil of death, um, that the creation is, is kind of almost in these chains of death, that these these chains uh, have been broken by Christ. Mm. So we live in the now and not yet. We live in this world within a world that suffering still has a say for now, but the day is coming where it will not. And then so that's kind of where I wanted to end initially. But I think Derek kind of took us there. Like he he really again, if you haven't listened to the interview, please do. He talks about the cr the cross not being made small. So he's really what he says by what he's saying by that. He's addressing the issue of saying the power of the cross is that God, this this vast God of everything was willing to suffer 
to bring about resurrection. The cross cannot be made small. Hmm. And so he, he took us there in a better way anyways. But uh, that's really what I want. I wanted to address the tension, the self-critique in the Bible that's constantly there. The, um, the world within the world that, uh, that hmm. from day of fall, when we chose to say, no, I think what's good and evil, God doesn't know what he's talking about. And we bring death into this world. That God from that moment began a story of resurrection and hmm. redemption. And to me, that's beautiful. Yeah, no, that's... I look forward to hearing that message when uh, when it gets the chance to get released one day. Well, we just did it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think this series has just been, like I said in the last episode, it's, it's just been a favorite of mine because it doesn't str- like it doesn't shy away from some tough stuff. Um, but like you said here, there, there's hope in the midst of suffering, mm-hmm. and that our you know our biggest you know you know, uh, call to action, even from this podcast and this series is, um, don't go alone. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's far worse. And so, um, do you guys have any kind of final concluding thoughts from this series as we're, as we're talking here? Go ahead, John. I think something I would say for sure is don't keep it to yourself. Hmm. Um, if you found this helpful, if you found it engaging, and hopefully you have. Hopefully one, uh, one message of the six has has uh, has spoken to you in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, share it with somebody. And we're in a moment we where we can do that so easily. All for content is on YouTube, on Facebook. Uh, it's never been easier to expose someone to uh, the life changing nature that you know that church can bring. That uh, a simple message can bring. I don't want to say simple message. Um, but uh, there's power in those videos that we have. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you found it helpful, share it, share it, uh, send it to a friend who might, who might be, um, who might've been struggling with similar things. Um, I, I think we just be remiss not to uh, take advantage of the tools that we have, like you said, Paul, mm-hmm. uh, the digital content, content that we have. And, and now, um, now that we have that knowledge to pass it on to, to people who are really longing for something like that. So, so that's what I would say, you know, we're done this series now, but this series lives on forever, um, online and mm-hmm. it's accessible anytime, anywhere, wherever you are. And, uh, it's for sure going, it's for sure has transformed people as we've, as we've seen Paul and Austin, mm-hmm. and it's going to continue to transform people. So, yeah, that's, that's really good, John. I would just add, I guess the last little bit is just first, thank you, Austin and John, for uh, for being part of this series, for taking time to think, wrestle, write, um, and contribute to it. I think it was powerful thoughts that you guys have shared, and uh, it was such a joy to work with you guys on, the, on these things. Um, and I would just echo John, share this stuff if it's been helpful for you. Um, consider how you can be mentored or mentoring people. Step into these things. If you're local here in Saskatoon, we'd love for to connect with you. Check us out. We we uh, we just we want to be a place that's helping people. We want to be a place that's supporting people. And so we want to journey with you. We know there are tensions in a lot of things that we bring into into uh, any relationship. And this is the beauty of the of God's story. It is full of those tensions and it's full of self-awareness of those tensions. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the resources, I guess I'll throw it, I'll throw out here. Um, one of the books that I love reading and I kind of just have it sitting beside me here is uh, um, David Bentley Hart's book, The Doors of the Sea. Um, 
it, it's a phenomenal look at suffering and asking, wrestling with the same questions. And he kind of wrote uh, this little book. I mean, it's just hundreds some pages. It's very short and small. And it was it was uh, in newspaper at first. He was. Um, answering people's questions about when the tsunami happened in Indonesia and, and he so it's a little bit dated but not the things he's saying that the event is dated but the things he are saying are, are timeless and he basically wrestles with the question of people saying well where was God when this tsunami happened like mm -hmm. this natural disaster and some were saying God willed that God did that and that's not the Christian understanding of of who God is and so he tackles that in his little book um, it's powerful I really I really enjoyed the the book it was helpful for me to think through something so again the book is the doors of the sea by david bentley hart now he's a, he's a little bit uh he's an orthodox theologian eastern orthodox theologian so um it, a lot of his frame of mind and thinking comes from that but I, i've really enjoyed the book so i just encourage you even if you don't agree with everything in it just give it a read it's very short it's a couple of evenings and you you could be done with it but again thank you austin and john has been a pleasure working with you guys as always uh there's always so much laughter and and hope when i'm with you guys you guys are um if you guys don't know john and austin it's worth checking out a church out just to get to know these two guys they're pretty fun oh man i'm i'm flattered um <laughs> No, yeah, thank you, Paul. I'm gonna just echo the words um, of John earlier is, um, yeah, thanks for including us. This was um, tough subject matter to wrestle with and to write and to um, to think about. Like it wasn't, um, like I was telling people, like this is a very interesting one to come out of the gate. Like this is the, my first opportunity to do a message here at Circle. Hmm. And so it was a, an interesting topic to, um, yeah, coming to the gate with, but um, once you start putting faces to some of these situations, um, it becomes something that, yeah, there's some realness to it. And these are some truths and some things that I want, I want to tell people that I know that are going through tough stuff. And so I've just really appreciated being able to write and to think about these things. And I, I can speak for John in that too, that, you know, we enjoyed being included in you know, a series that, yeah, had some tougher subject matter. And so we, we really appreciate the work that you put into it mm -hmm. and that you were um, willing to um, give up half of the series um, to oh, include us. Pleasure. So yeah, no. um, really appreciated that. So yeah, thank you, Paul and John, for joining us mm -hmm. this week. Um, we look forward to bringing you guys more conversation, just reflecting on um, series as they, as they conclude. Because like we've been saying over and over, over the past two episodes, there is so much that can yet be said during and after a series. And so we're looking mm -hmm. forward to expanding that, having some more in-depth conversation around that. Um, next week, we are going to have a conversation with one of our Circle Kids staff persons at um, Circle here. We're oh, going to talk awesome. about an awesome initiative that they did with Kids Capers. Um, how do you do a summer camp when <laughs> you can't gather physically and that it doesn't make a lot of sense to have 300 kids with energy running around the church and so when that's not allowed what do you do and so we're going to chat with bailey about what they did and just hear some of the stories that um, they're hearing from from what they did with kids capers this summer and so we're really looking forward to talking to her um, and then in a few weeks we're going to talk with 
Brent Trickett, who is um, who just started a series this past Sunday. And so we're looking forward to picking his brain. What did he want to talk about more? And so we're just excited to bring you conversations like this. And so um, if you enjoyed this podcast at all, would you subscribe to um, Circle YXC, um, our podcast, where you can find our messages and additional content there. You can also find these on YouTube along with our message and other content there. Um, so if you found this helpful, subscribe, give us a rating. It helps us be found by other people looking for Just help. give us good ratings though. If yeah. it's a bad rating, just just maybe hold that to yourself. It's easier to get it's easier to get five stars than one. So um, <laughs> always, always lean that direction. And if you found it really helpful and you want to go an extra step, share it with somebody. Um, but until then, enjoy your weekend and your week, and we look forward to chatting again soon.